Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. So this is Love Code Conference. Love Code Conference. And we're going to continue from last week. How many of you were blessed last week? Hallelujah. So we're just going to continue. And I just want to say that we have two simple objectives for Love Code Conference. The first will be to help you understand God's will. For men's romantic relationships. To help you understand God's will for men's romantic relationships. How we designed it to operate, to function. How far is too far? What are the boundaries? What are the parameters? What is permissible? And then the second is so that you will bring order. To your romantic relationships. You know, God gave us a prophetic word for the year 2019. And we've named this year the year of what? Hallelujah. And this month, by divine wisdom, divine wisdom and creative power, we are going to bring order to our romantic relationships. Hallelujah. Say loud, amen. amen. So I said that to help you understand the prophetic angle of the teaching for this month. There is a prophetic angle. There is the angle of divine wisdom, which comes from the teaching, but there is a prophetic angle. I'm aware that there are some of you who have issues in your marriage. Hallelujah. But the Lord said that by creative power and ability, order is going to come to our life this year. And that includes marriages. Hallelujah. I won't say relationships because I'm order is what are you doing? Hallelujah. It's good. There is some um, misunderstanding so that you can examine where. Hallelujah. If you should go on or not. Hallelujah. I want to read something to you. First Samuel chapter 25. We'll read verse 2 and 3. First Samuel. Some of you will be reading that book for the first time since last year. But last year is not far now. Right? You know what I mean. First Samuel chapter 25. We had a powerful midweek service last week. Powerful. Listen, if you didn't come, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I know maybe the message is going to be out soon, but, but it won't suffice. It, it, it won't just do. Praise the Lord. There's another one this Tuesday. Hallelujah. Listen, the sick will be healed. So I, I want you to come expectant. We're having healing services, all the midweek services this month. Oh, okay. First Samuel 25, verse 2 and 3. Are you there? If you're there, say, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
<laughs> All right. It says, and I read, Now there was a man in Maun whose business was in Camel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was sharing his sheep in Camel. The name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Now, I read this because this is a story that a lot of you can relate to. It's a reality in our day that a lot of good people make wrong choices in their relationships and in their marriage. A lot of intelligent people make foolish choices in their, in their romantic re relationships. Foolish choices. And the Bible tells us of Abigail. She was a good woman. Good woman. The Bible says she had understanding. Good understanding. Except in relationship. Praise the Lord. Isn't it the paradox of this century that the man we call, or popularly called, you know I've taught you he's not, popularly called the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, he didn't make wise choices in his relationships. I mean, it's, it's an error under the sun. You see people, very brilliant in business, brilliant in academics, good people. But poor sense of direction in terms of choice of who to spend the rest of your lives with romantically. Abigail was that kind of lady. Hallelujah. And we just want to talk about that as briefly as we can. Why do intelligent people make bad romantic choices? Why? Why? Well, I can think of a reason that is a valid one. Generally speaking, a lot of people don't see intelligence as something that finds expression when it comes to romance. We like to be swept off our feet like you know, not the way they do me, do me, do me. <laughs> we've, not, we've not really seen intelligence as something that should be applied to our romantic choices. And that's why we would rather follow the butterflies. Oh, my, every time I see you, my stomach begins to, I have runny stomach immediately. Praise the Lord. And even when it comes to programs like this, there is a disparity between what people want to hear and what they need to hear. When it comes to romance, relationship, you just want, you want those few good moments. You know, but, but usually what you need, <laughs> you may not really like or maybe it's boring to you. And I found that it's a principle in life. I don't know why God made the creation that way. But have you noticed that all the 
delicious dishes, virtually all of them are unhealthy. Have you noticed? Many of them are harmful. Fast food. So if you want to be healthy, you have to take the path of sacrifice. You have to be able to look away from ice cream and pizza so that you don't eat it all day, you know, and be round and, you know, just be rolling. <laughs> you will actually save money. No need for a card. You'll just be rolling. <laughs> That's how we roll. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. It's a, it's a principle of life. That even physically, the reason you are tired every day of the week, in fact, you wake up and you're tired. You just woke up. It's because you don't exercise. It's a paradox that for me to stop being tired, I have to be tired, schedule my tiredness in the gym. And that's just the principle of life. For anything to be a success, it's, it's going to require effort. And relationship is not an exception. But unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, just like to go with their butterflies. And that's, that's terrible, you see. And it's not their fault. You've been programmed to see rom romance and relationship that way. You've been programmed. You just don't know. Look at the movies. <laughs> Look at the cartoons. Let me, spoiler alert, I'm about to ruin some cartoons for you. When you think about it, you realize that the cartoons you loved very much growing up are actually very stupid. I mean, so stupid. So, we know about Snow White. This lady gets in in trouble with some woman in the village and she does her, you know what I mean? And then the lady apparently dies. She's in the woods in a coffin and a handsome prince comes into the woods, sees a dead lady and kisses her. And that's romantic. Like, oh. He's kissing a dead woman. That's romantic. That's the kind of stuff you grew up on. Hallelujah. Or Cinderella, seriously, seriously, he was looking for her, you know, with her shoe, and nobody in the entire village wore the same shoe size. Incredible. That's a miracle. Nobody? Seriously? You know, you know the most horrible of all of them? Beauty and the Beast. Don't even get me started on Frog Prince. That one is okay. Beauty and, you know, that's bestiality. You, you never thought about it. You kiss a beast. Like, and we're like, oh. Think about it. That's rubbish. Because... When it comes to romance, both in the movies and in real life, we, now someone is, even as I'm talking, someone is like, Pastor, you're ruining this thing for us now. Just leave us with the feelings. The other, because when it comes to romance, subconsciously, 
You don't want to be so objective and too intelligent. You don't want to be, you know, circumspect. And that's the problem. That's a huge problem. Hallelujah. When you were swept off your feet in relationship, that relationship can't stand the test of time. You, you have to enter with gumption. Look at everything. Be observant. Ask the right questions when you're dating. Be an inspector. Check everything. Praise the Lord. In this day and age, <laughs> you might marry only to discover you're the second wife. Am I saying things that are happening or not? Do your research. But a lot of young people, I'm, I'm young, a lot of us don't want to do that. Hallelujah. I see some young people and I just shake my head. You've been dating four months. You are already wearing um, the same clothes. I shall be. <laughs> Won't you wait? Huh? You have to learn to take things slow. Give it time. Let it evolve. Praise the Lord. Some people will just, the moment they start like this, all over the world, everybody knows you're dating. Why? Why? And then you make it so difficult because when the relationship, things happen, even be, between Christians, the relationship is severed, it now becomes awkward because both of you attend the same church. It's, it's like I'm speaking today. I mean. Ah, Marabush. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, I think the vital question today is, are you really ready to learn about relationship from God's perspective? Like, don't just say yes. I want you to think about it. He might say some things that <laughs> are totally against the culture that you've embraced, and wrongly so. You have to be ready. It takes a certain level of humility to be able to say, you know what, Lord, what, what will you have me do? What steps will you have me take? Lead and guide. Praise the Lord. He loves you more than you are capable of loving yourself. He cares about you. Many times when he gives you instructions, he look, it will look harsh. But he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. Not only does he love you, he is love. All right? You can trust him. Just nudge the person by your side gently. Say you can trust him. Don't elbow anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just there's a difference between nudge. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So very briefly, I'm going to share three important biblical thoughts on marriage. Three important biblical thoughts on marriage. Three important biblical thoughts on marriage. Hallelujah. 
1 Corinthians 7, 32. I want you to get ready because this is a different kind of marriage sermon. There are texts that you hardly open that we will open today because it's the Bible and it's the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. It says, and I read, it says, but I want you to be without care. For he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. Say that with me. Say, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. <laughs> Say that again. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. <laughs> This is how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is therefore, or there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profits. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that ye may serve the Lord without distraction. Uh, that ye may serve the Lord without what? Distraction. <laughs> Say hmm hmm hmm. Now listen. I said jokingly last week, and I say it often, how that a lot of people come hard at God when it's time to marry. In a way that God has never seen them come, and will never see again. They are aggressive when it comes to hearing God. God! Who's the lady? Who's the lady? Who's the lady? Bola or Shola or Tola. Taller is taller, Lord. <laughs> no, it's natural, it's natural. <laughs> Invite your friends, I do preach. All right. I'm just joking. No, I'm not. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people come at God, like, God, please lead me, please lead me. And a lot of people supposedly hear God for the first time telling them, Taller is the one, son. Praise the Lord. Or a lot of people, maybe there's some delay. Then, oh my God. All the camp meetings in the world, you will see them. Do you know people like that? I mean, not like I'm looking for them, but just scanning through churches. Any special program, you will see them. Praise the Lord. I thought it was the devil who goes about looking for who to do. <laughs> Won't you stay home, please? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, praise the Lord. Every camp meeting, they are there. Lord, Lord, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and all of that. But listen, I think you might have gotten your priorities wrong. You might have gotten your priorities. Listen. God ordained marriage quite all right. But like I said last week, earthly marriage is not your destiny in life. It's not. 
There are things more important than marriage. You can be married and not fulfill purpose. You can. And in fact, you might not have heard this before, but you really need to think about marriage from this perspective that, okay, yeah, I found a guy, he's a nice guy, but will this disrupt my path in purpose? Are you aware that, especially ladies, a lot of ladies get married and they become the, a shadow of themselves spiritually. Some of them who had a clear ministry, the guy, it's a paradox. Hmm. Can I talk freely? It's a paradox that you stand a better chance to fulfill ministry as a lady when you don't marry pastors. Some pastors will never allow you. Everything you do well is a competition. So you have to be discerning. You might say, oh, he's a pastor. Oh, we'll do ministry together. Check him well. Does he have insecurity issues? Praise the Lord. Check well. So this should be number one on your mind. Like, uh, God, my life is yours. And I just want to please you. And by pleasing you, to have the perspective for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Marriage is beautiful. It's not good for man to be alone. But there are things more important. Souls are perishing. What can I do? How can I be a part of your move in my age, in my day? If you've not thought like that, that's a, that's a problem. Hallelujah. God is hearing your voice about marriage all the time. But you don't pray for the lost. You don't pray for, you know, you know, the ability, the wisdom to do his work, his ministry with excellence. You can have a carnal approach to appropriating the provision of God. That's what I'm saying. Marriage is the provision of God. But you can have a carnal approach to it. And the summary of this text is simple. Even though God ordained marriage, if marriage poses a threat to the real reason you are alive, don't take it. You know, someone said this, and you know, it sounded harsh. You know, before you say, God, who is my wife or my husband? Maybe the person was extreme. You say, you, the first question should be, God, should I marry? You know, as extreme as that, I won't put it that way. Don't forget, God clearly said it is not good that man should be alone. But I think the clear question is, and what the person is trying to say is this. You should find your path in the will of God in such a solid manner that you're not really insecure. A lot of people, they're quite, why are you looking for a husband or a wife? Are you looking for someone to be a blessing to? Or you just you're just insecure? You know, like the song, no air, no air, you know. All those songs. You, you know, we say things 
in love songs sometimes that should only be said to God. Have you noticed? Sometimes. Now, say nice things. But when you say, anyway, let's leave it. Praise the Lord. So we've seen people lose their call because of marriage. I have a relative. Strong call on his life. Call to ministry. And he started to date this lady. The lady was beautiful. And is beautiful. When I say beautiful, I was young, but I knew. (laughs) (laughs) She let you know. Do you understand? Like, ah, wow. And then one day, this lady... Rich home, beautiful, tall. I mean, she could actually en- enroll for a pageant. Very beautiful. And he said, ah, this one, you, you're doing church boy up and down. I hope you're not planning to be a pastor. I will not marry a pastor. And she told him clearly, you will have to choose. You know what? I'm very grateful to God for her life. That the guy chose to end the relationship and go into ministry. Because, you know why? At the end of her life, standing before Jesus, if God had told her, this my son was meant to serve me, see the things he was meant to do, and because of you, he didn't do it. What would she have said? Praise the Lord. How will you tell a man of God to choose? Let me spell it out for her. Say, me and God. That's what she's saying. Hallelujah. Well, the man with tears in his eyes said, I love you, you know. I will catch a grenade for you and swallow it and gas it out. Pow! <laughs> and obliterate nations just by my ear. <laughs> but uh, you're too imaginative. You're too imaginative. <laughs> but to turn my back on God, what is love? If I turn my back on God, you should be afraid of me. Very afraid. It means I can't love you. I'm lying. I'm lying. Hallelujah. You've seen people convert to another religion. You said I can preach, right? Because of marriage. Hey? Sister Bisi, what are you doing with gold in your teeth? Are you that desperate? Hallelujah. Some things are no-go areas. You should be able to say, there are some circumstances that you face where you say, you know what, I would rather be single all my life. Praise the Lord. Because as long as this age may seem, no matter how long you live, 120, 150, or 200, if you live 200 years, your children will be annoyed. They will put you in the coffin and sleep. 
You know? But, but no matter how long you live, this age is still too small compared to eternity. It's so short. You've heard the saying, life is short. Life really is short. And so is earthly marriage. And so don't miss the bigger one for the one that marks seven decades is out. You're out. It's over. Praise the Lord. Think about it. Right? This is so important. Think about it. So if I was meant to give a, a, a title to this first point, I would say, think purpose before marriage. Think purpose. Purpose before marriage. Purpose is a priority. Hallelujah. Jesus is more important than romantic relationships. He is. All of the universe revolves around him. The Bible says he chose you in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. That's your that's purpose. To know Christ and to make him known. Have the best husband or wife in the world have the most lovely, cutest kids. If you miss out of that one, you are a failure. Praise the Lord. So what is point number one? Number two, think purpose in marriage. Think purpose in marriage. Meaning, and I'm talking about the purpose of earthly marriage now. You have to understand what God has designed romantic relationships to be and to mean. There is a biblical context for romantic relationships. My relationship with God, my purpose in God is so revolutionary that it affects the way I treat my spouse. It does. You have to understand, it does. God holds you to very high standards. Let me show it to you. I've shown it to you before. You see, there are certain sermons that have to be repeated at least once every year. And this is one of them. Look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 22. Everybody read verse 22 of Ephesians 5 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. He said, wives, submit to your own husbands. How? As to the Lord. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. Everybody read verse 25 together. One, two, go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. Now, you, you, you see that 
Christ has become your yardstick, your perspective. And this is the difficult part. Oh my God. The moment you come into Christ, you no longer treat people based on how they treat you, but how Christ treated you. Now, that sounds easy, but it's difficult. That the requirement for me to love my wife is not how she treats me, but because of what Christ has done, I must love my wife. So in Christ... You don't get to love the lovable. Do you understand? You don't get to, get to love people who are sweet and nice and kind. You will love your wife as Christ loved the church. And this is the responsibility of grace that a lot of people don't realize. That the grace of God is free and sweet. And so wonderful, but with responsibilities. That you say, oh God, you know the depth of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing. You don't count my sins against me. You are amazing. And then the very things you celebrate about your relationship with God, you fail to reciprocate. And God is not having any of that. The only requirement for receiving the free or merited favor of God is that you must, must, must reciprocate. <laughs> Please, are you listening to what I'm saying? The sense of responsibility. Lo- so, well, Christ loved the church. I'm, I'm a beneficiary of Christ's love. Selfless, reckless, all the over. You you sing it, you enjoy it. And then the Lord is asking you to match that energy to your spouse. Praise the Lord. So now, how, how are you going to report to your husband or your wife when she's misbehaving? Knowing that he has done more for you. Maybe you don't understand this. Naturally speaking, what I'm saying is difficult. What what are you going to tell him? God, she doesn't deserve it. Neither do you. God, she's so ungrateful. Neither are you. It's very ungrateful of you to say that your wife is ungrateful. It's a tall order. So you have to think purpose. Hallelujah. Remember the analogy, the parable Jesus gave about a master who had a servant that was owing him money, a lot of money. He forgave that servant, and then as the servant was going home, he found another servant that he found a friend who was owing him not up to one hundred of what he had been forgiven of, and he threw that one into prison. And God is giving you a perspective about the responsibility that grace bestows on you. A lot of people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Oh, you love me. Oh, how you love. Sing it again and again and again. 
But they don't know 1 John 3.16. John 3.16 is the provision. 1 John 3.16 is the responsibility. Let's see 1 John 3.16. It says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also... We also ought to do what? Lay down our lives for the brethren. So he says, you, you have to be ready to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Meaning, how did Christ love the church? He died, Abby. <laughs> you know, one day my wife asked me, do you, love, do you know they always ask? It was her birthday three years ago. I took her out, bought her stuff. You know, we had a nice time all day. At the end of the day, she looked at me and said, do you love me? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Eve asked Adam, do you love me? He said, who else will I love? <laughs> Look around. Praise the Lord. Your success in marriage will be judged by your ability to reciprocate the love of God to your spouse. That's true success in marriage. The ability to reciprocate the love of God to your spouse. I want to show you something. This is the first time I'm going to say this. You know, in the epistles, you see something important repeated twice when the Bible talks about Adam and Eve. And I, I want to show it to you quickly. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Praise the Lord. Read together, one, two, go. Read it again, one, two, go. All right. It says, and Adam was not deceived. That's very salient. Adam was not what? So that means when he ate the fruit, he knew what he was doing. Why did he do it? The same thing in 2 Corinthians 11.3. 2 Corinthians 11.3. It says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Never are we told that the serpent deceived Adam. Never. So why did Adam eat the fruit? I will tell you what I believe and what many theologians, renowned theologians, people like Kent Hovind, believe. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Romans chapter 5, verse 14, I beg your pardon. 
It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. And who did he call Adam? He says, who is a type of him who was to come? Praise the Lord. Let me put it in plain sight. I know some of you are wondering where, where this is leading to. If God came and saw Eve ate the fruit, Adam didn't. You have to understand that the covenant was with Adam. Not with Eve. God made Eve from Adam. But there could only be one Adam. He could make another Eve. If Eve had transgressed, he could just end Eve. And mankind will continue. Are you paying attention? And so the men to save the woman. Just like the second Adam for all mankind. To save the woman ate the fruit. The Bible says he was not deceived. He was not. Praise the name of Jesus. Now that's heavy. So both in the first and second Adam, we see the same examples. Men, make your life available for your wife. Hallelujah. It's your responsibility to defend her. Defend her. You know, some men, it's not even a life-threatening situation. People are just talking to their wife anyhow. Maybe relatives. And they take it. Praise the Lord. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Nobody should come to your house and talk to your wife anyhow. Nobody. Praise the name of Jesus. You defend the woman. And women, you submit to the man. Not <laughs> because he has says, a lot of times we don't. You know, in, I look at our, I'm serious. I look at the time I've been married, have I always had sense throughout? <laughs> Even in the past one month, I might have failed at some point. You know, sometimes we are so unreasonable. Um, it's true. Let's own it. You know, she's taking care of two babies. And then you say, it's 2 p.m. Food is not ready. <laughs> or you come back from church together and you're angry that there's no food. Praise the Lord. So the same way the man must love you as Christ loved the church. Christ is his standard. You also must submit as unto the Lord. Because the Lord demands it. Because in, in submitting to this man, I'm honoring God. You know when we say because of God? There's some things you should just do because of God. Praise the name of Jesus. This is so important. You say it's hard. It's love. Love is hard. 
So think purpose in marriage. Please tell the person by your side, say think purpose in marriage. Hallelujah. Number three, very crucial point that a lot of people (laughs) miss out of. Listen, you see, I had never heard anyone teach what I'm about to share with you, but it's there in the word of God. Number three is roles in marriage, spiritual and natural, are the same. Roles in marriage, both spiritual and natural, are the same. Roles in marriage, both spiritual and natural, are the same. I I, I gave you an example, and if, if you were paying attention, you must have noticed already. The Bible says, or implies as clearly as possible, that a man must be willing to lay his life for his wife. Right? But do you know that you should be willing to lay your life down for the brethren, any brother or sister in Christ? That's what 1 John 3.16 says. So you will discover that the roles in marriage are the same roles in the body of Christ. Another example. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5 that we read. Look at verse 22. We read verse 22 earlier, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Right? Now look at verse 21. Just a verse before. And everybody read together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. It says submitting to one another in the fear of God. So before it is a role in romantic marriage... It is my duty in the body of Christ. Listen, a lot of people enter marriage unprepared. In fact, our culture sets us up for failure in marriage. Let me just tell you. When we are hunting, you know, guys now, you know, you know how we do it. You know how we do it. You know hey, a game. Oh, my God. You're dressing everything. Out. Sorry. You know? When you get somewhere, you run. Open the door for her. Come down. Yeah, that's nice. And then you're doing all of that, buying roses and all of that. And then the moment you marry, <laughs> listen. And it's a little awkward because in the, when you were dating, in the dating phase, you are pampering. Any small thing, oh, please now, yeah, don't be angry. And then. Maybe a day after you got married, you now expect her to bring food for you, which, which is nice. My wife does that. You know, you even say, ah, you should kneel down. Do you understand? Um, and you should, let me tell you, what the Bible teaches is anti-culture. And honestly speaking, I don't think that a woman... <laughs> Should be doing all those things for a man that she's not married to. When you are dating, you are dating. Pursue me now. Do you understand? But how are you going to be able to make that transition when you get married? 
if you have not been submitting to any other person, and this is a very easy way to discern, marriage is not a miracle. A good marriage is not a miracle. If that guy wants to use you to learn love, run away. Because apart from the sex part, we are also meant to have fervent love for the brethren. And so if you are the first person who is going to attempt to love, you say, what about your father? We're not in good terms. What about your mom? Don't mind that woman. Do you have friends? Or he's changing friends? Or he's not loyal? That's a sign. You go out on a date together. He's all over you, opens the door for you. You get to the restaurant. The, the restaurant has someone opening the door. He, he insists. <sighs> he said, no, no, no. He opens the door for you. And then you're on the date. He's talking to all the waitresses rudely. Get out of here. Is this what we ordered? My dear, don't worry. Don't mind them. <laughs> it's a lie. Praise the Lord. Who else, sir, have you submitted to? Listen, ladies, never submit to a man who is not submitted to anyone else. Never. It's one of the most dangerous things to do in your life. To live with someone, generally men are stronger. You're going to have misunderstandings. There is nobody in his life who can tell him, you are wrong. You shouldn't have done that. I've seen stupid things in my short life. A man, he was angry with his wife, so, and the woman was sick at the point of death, refused to pay for her treatment. So, this boy, the boy was at NRI church, he came to me and said, this was, a, I said, ah, what rubbish is that? Talk to your pastor, and I said, ah, pastor, <laughs> you understand. The venue, my father built it. <laughs> you, know, you know those kind of churches that some people have, you know, pocketed your anointing. You see it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, a young boy was gingering. He went to preach somewhere. Entered the place boldly. Said, the Lord said, you should repent. Something, something, something. Death is coming to you. Now he might have been extreme and all of that. So one of them looked at him and said, which church do you attend? He said, so, so, so church. He just picked out his phone, called his geo. Started shouting at his geo. There's a, one of your boys here is here making trouble. Warn your people. You hear me? Boom. <laughs> Mammon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Never. Listen, I, statistically, some people will still not hear. Never submit to a guy who is not submitted to people that you know that you can go to and say, ah, ma, you know, I, I don't always come, but it's at that point. Please help me talk to him. Nobody like that. Praise the Lord. It's very, very crucial. <laughs> you will be married at least three times longer than you were alive when you got married. 
So you get married 24 times 3. You'll be in marriage. Just think about all you've gone through in your life. <laughs> Primary, secondary. It's a long time. Multiply that process times three. That's not a decision to make guesswork. You, you, you don't guess. Praise the Lord. Take your time. They are not punishing latecomers. Yeah, yeah. You are just getting married. New down here. They are not punishing latecomers. So. Take your time. Praise the Lord. So those, let me show you something. I said the roles are the same. And there, there is something else also that is very, very powerful. You know, the first time I was doing this, I just asked, I said, what are the ingredients of a good marriage, the things you see, virtues you see in a marriage, and you say, oh, that's a good marriage. And you say, oh, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience. Some of you already get the point. I said, what are the things, the virtues, or the ingredients of a bad marriage? You say, anger, malice, strife, adultery. I said, do you realize that the ingredients of a good marriage, the Bible calls the fruits of the spirit, or the fruit of the spirit. The ingredients of a bad marriage, the Bible calls the works of the flesh. And it says, listen, this is... A tip on success in marriage you hardly hear. You almost will never see it in any marriage book. But the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Praise the Lord. So, you might have a lot of intellectual um, strategies to make sure the lady or the guy does not cheat on you. Memorize all his passwords. Check his shirt for lipstick when he comes back. You know, and all those kind of things. But the Bible says, the most trustworthy one, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill. Have you noticed that you can't walk in the spirit and in strife at the same time? The times you are angry and you don't want to forgive someone, check it. You don't pray in those periods. And the reason you avoid prayer is because you know prayer will damage the anger. <laughs> and so you, no, listen, as a Christian, when someone wrongs you and you're offended, you will usually do worse than the person to God. Because so that you can nurse that anger well, you stop talking to God. Can you really be blazing hot in anger and worship from your heart? <laughs> have you ever worshipped and then after, on your way home, someone annoyed you? Something that you would have blown out, blown, out, bl blown up for the person, exploded on the person's head, on the person's destiny, you know what I mean? But after worship, it happens. Yes. Imagine if that atmosphere, that discipline, you maintained it every day. It will affect your marriage. You might not have heard it before. Amongst the many reasons why you think your relationships are not successful, maybe you're not prayerful. 
<laughs> read your Bible, pray every day. Now, there are some people that are so religious that these things don't matter. But generally speaking, you have the Holy Ghost, right? If you release yourself to the Spirit of God every day, you will treat people right. You will see the best in people. Hallelujah. Arguments don't escalate between two prayerful people. As simple as that is. Watch it well. The days when you are on the edge the most, just impatient, irritable, you did not pray. Hallelujah. So I've given you three tips. What is the first? What is the second? What is the third? Hallelujah. And under that you can add walk in the spirit and you will have a good marriage. Listen, walking in the spirit will save your marriage. Walking in the spirit will save your relationship. Walk, when you walk in the spirit, you will not be unforgiving. If I were to give three very but the foremost tips to success in relationship and marriage, three very simple ones. Number one, walk in the spirit. Number two, be accountable. Number three, refuse to be unforgiving. Those three, if you will keep dear to your heart, you will have a good relationship. Hallelujah. So I pray for every one of you under the sound of my voice that the wisdom of God will guide you, guide your choices. He will make romantic choices with brilliance. No matter how close you are to entering a marriage that would destroy your life, may everything come crumbling down. And I pray that you will function with discernment to know who to trust. You will not call an enemy your friend. You will not call a friend your enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus. For every marriage that is under strain, both here present and listening to this tape recording much later, I pray that the wisdom of God will bring order and peace and joy back to that relationship. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every marriage or relationship that has been affected by the manipulation of the enemy, that manipulation ceases today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Were you blessed? All right, say loud, amen. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.